Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. My co-hosts today are Ishita and Lena, who's one of our newest youth leaders. So welcome to the podcast, Ishita and Lena. Thank you. <laughs> that was awesome in stereo. <laughs> uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves for our listeners just a little bit? Um, yeah, a little bit about yourself and then we'll get to our guest. Hi, everyone. My name is Ishita and uh, I have a condition called Conrad dystrophy. So essentially that uh, primarily affects my central field of vision. Um, I can see general shapes and colors, but I have issues with seeing finer details. Hello, everyone. I'm Lena. I'm one of the newest youth leaders that Sean mentioned. I am completely blind. Um, the cause of that was a brain tumor when I was little. And I'm really excited. Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you. Thank you. And we have a special guest today. I'm super excited to introduce our guest, Dougie. Dougie Dow, he is uh, somebody who's been volunteering with Blind Beginnings. You're going to hear more about that. And he's going to be helping out a little bit with our virtual summer camp. Welcome to the podcast, Dougie. Thank you very much. Uh, now, you are also visually impaired. Would you tell our listeners a little bit about your vision? Well, indeed. Uh, so I'll start. My pronouns are them, he. Uh, my vision condition is uh, congenital nystigmus. I uh, share a vision condition with my uh, older sister by five years. Um, I, <clears throat> I'd have about 8% vision, which is quite good, but I have discovered, especially from about 30 onward, the less I use my vision, the happier I am. Generally speaking, if I use my full vision, it's usually going to result in me having lots of headaches, and not feeling very good. So uh, I feel if I am kind of getting to a point where I'm only really noticing shapes and and just patterns is when I'm at my happiest and not feeling uh, like sick from a headache. Oh, yeah, I get a lot of headaches too. And I mean, I have such little vision now that I don't know if it's to do with eye strain mm -hmm. or not, but it's it doesn't matter. Headaches are lousy. <laughs> <laughs> One of the reasons we love you, Dougie, is because you have brought improv to Blind Beginnings. So we were curious, how did you get into improv or acting? Where did, where did, what's your story around that? Absolutely. Uh, my story around that, well, I'd say I think I had a love for it since an early age, uh, but I just never really felt at the time when I went to school, there was an opportunity. Uh, one of the only real times I think I ever did anything stage related in my life was at Bowen Camp. I did uh, a stand-up set that was primarily ripped off of Eddie Murphy. Uh, who, by the way, uh, his material is no longer appropriate for anyone of any age. Um, <laughs> 
uh, and then um, uh, fast forward about 20 years, I guess, when I was uh, around 42, and I'm, I'm kind of a completely different person at this point. I've started using a cane for three years. I'm way more confident in myself. And uh, one time I was at a hockey, um, some producers for the television series C came and they were looking for background actors. Um, so I was able to do that. And then that got me really thinking about other creative opportunities. Um, the first thing I did was take an acting class through a uh, community uh, a community center and I had quite I, I only took one class and I imme immediately knew it wasn't going to be a fit I, I felt the instructor was uh, fairly misogynistic and um, I I ended up in a scene that involved like uh, a suicide thing which made me feel very uncomfortable uh, so I was able to get a refund, fortunately, and then this was, this was my birthday. So shortly thereafter, on my birthday, I was speaking to another person that volunteers uh, at Blind Beginnings named Sean, and they had done improv. Uh, so then that prompted me to uh, get a free scholarship from Blind Tiger Comedy. And now two years later, and probably like 200 hours of improv classes later, that's how I've gone to, to where I am. I've just completed the short form part of the program. So now I'm about to enter long form. Uh, but then also I, um, I did a lot of improv that dealt with how do we look at our multi-intersectional identities and, and bring that into comedy? Because I felt one thing for me is a lot of comedy in the past I felt was too much around putting people down. And I feel for me, it really should be about lifting people up. And a big part of me for that is to do that, we have to have uh, a greater understanding of each other and all those things that give us privilege and those things that take away from that. Ishita and Lena, have you had any acting experience? No, nothing. No, not at all. Uh, I am a person that cannot act at all. Uh, so <laughs> I was gonna ask you, Dougie, uh, do you have any tips for anybody that's interested in acting who may not have acted a day in their life? Uh, just mm. for our listeners and just for me personally, because I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about that. I, I think there can be surprising, this is where in some ways I find improv greater than acting, especially when you're visually impaired, is because I still find like reading and memorizing a script to be really difficult for me. Uh, whereas improv allows you to just kind of make things up in the moment, but you can have, uh, through that, you can develop, uh, start to develop how to do characters, which can be simple things like just changing your voice and you can sound different, making it higher. So there can be a lot of different ways that I feel you can still have that expression of acting and playing characters uh, without having to go through a traditional way per se. I have very minimal experience with acting, but I was in a couple of school plays like back in elementary school. I had like, you know, a part that would maybe two or three lines, mm. but I'm, I think a terrible, terrible actor. I, I'm much better. I feel like I can be funny in real life, but when I try to be, it doesn't necessarily work. <laughs> it's uh -huh. just, it's really hard. Not easy. Uh -huh. That is uh, one thing I learned definitely from uh, being on a set. And I think where I was most impressed with the different actors is just 
how they can say line after line and sound the same. And I'm like, oh, this is this is how it's a real skill set. You are able to kind of embody this person for a long period of time. Yeah. And not sound like you're reciting something, right? Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah. So Dougie, I, I remember attending one of your shows that you invited me to um, not too long ago, actually. And uh, I was wondering if you could describe that a bit to our our listeners uh, as to like how the process worked and just in general, where you come up with the idea of having that show. Yeah, absolutely. So that show was the, the theme. Uh, it started out as one thing and then changed. I knew I wanted to do something with puppets and uh, I wanted to do something that involved my therapy journey, and I really loved David Letterman. So originally, my concept for that was uh, some kind of like Mr. Rogers, if Mr. Rogers and David Letterman pitched an uh, improvised show to Bernie Brown. Uh, <laughs> what? It's kind of <laughs> how I was thinking. I love that quirkiness and uncomfortableness from David Letterman. I love how, like for me, Mr. Rogers was probably at a time where there weren't a lot of positive role, male role models, uh, was one. And then just, I love Bernie Brown. <laughs> um, that kind of adapted more into like thinking I have these puppets and then realizing I'd really like to share like stories about uh, different forms of blindness and how could I do that? And I'm like, well, puppets, I could just create characters. This is a great way I could maybe tell some of these stories. Um, and then once I got into it, I realized very quickly that I could not do this by myself. I was like, just, uh, so I, I quickly uh, reeled in my, my, uh, my teenage uh, uh, daughter to join the production. So now uh, what we're hoping to do next with the show is do some part of it as a sketch scripted show to talk about the accessibility components and then have uh, a live improv version on, on maybe those conversations. Uh, so we're hoping, she's my, my, we're hoping to do another episode in the next month or so. That's cool. So is this something open to anybody to view? Uh, yes, it is on my YouTube channel, which is uh, Dougie Kane Comedy. So for context, uh, for everybody that's listening, this show was on Zoom. So Dougie sent us the link and I was able to join in and and like I really loved it. I thought it was really funny and creative. And honestly, uh, Dougie, you were asking for prompts from the audience and I, I loved how you're able to incorporate them so quickly and so well. I, I honestly was just astonished by that. So uh, a question that I have is how has the pandemic affected your career and the way that you plan these shows? Um, I think the one way was with us switching to Zoom, um, it, it really allowed me to improvise in a different way. Um, in some ways, I just find Zoom is, you, you really don't need your screen that much. I find you can do so much with just description. And, and, I, and then I'm not sure why, when you're in person, maybe that you don't naturally think of that. Uh, but I, I've just found Zoom allowed me to do way more uh, descriptive things uh, uh, around that. So that was really uh, beneficial. I think for me, it's been a really great platform. It allowed me to uh, 
slow down more. A lot of, uh, especially early in my improv career and still probably today, I can just kind of go out there like a total hot mess and have a thousand different ideas. And I really have to just kind of slow myself down and be in the moment more. And uh, Zoom has been wonderful for that. Um, and also just like um, with my, with being visually impaired, I found some of the ways we do things are just automatically uh, uh, more accessible. Like when we do games, we'll usually assign a numbered order. So you know exactly where you're going to go each time. Um, when we are doing name games, we say, we always say the person's name of who we're, of who we're sending it to. Whereas when we were live, we would just point to somebody. So I would always ask people to state my name anyway, or I would not know. Uh, so I feel in some ways it's been a bit more accessible of a format and is why I felt so comfortable maybe wanting to try and, and bring this uh, to Blind Beginnings for Improv this way. Yeah, that's so cool. And not, I wouldn't have thought that improv could be done virtually because every, every time I've done improv games, they're just so physical, you know, often you're acting something out and then someone steps into your body position and takes over. And I don't know, just, I guess they're not always, they're not always visual and active, but a lot of them are. So yeah, good for you for figuring out how to do that virtually. Well, let's talk about the volunteering. Um, we, yeah, like, why did you want to volunteer with Blind Beginnings? Um, well, I was uh, I was on a three-year uh, work sabbatical for quite some time, and I was really looking for uh, something to, to fill my time. Uh, I think also I feel Blind Beginnings has been in a subpart, subculture of my life for quite a while, just... Um, knowing a few people that have been involved with the eclipse um, made me want to join. But also as now my, my uh, child is a teenager um, and I have more time, I really wanted to devote more of that uh, to, to helping out. And just from immediately, the, uh, my, my first time with creating connections has made me like realize this is going to be like a lifetime volunteer opportunity for me because I'm already excited about kind of uh you know seeing where our youth now are now and seeing where they are as adults and kind of I get some idea of that from my past friends uh who were with the program uh but I think really kind of seeing that and just getting to see that growth is uh probably one of the most rewarding things that I can think of oh I'm really happy to hear that <laughs> you're planning to stick around for did you say a lifetime did I hear that right <laughs> uh, yeah, you did <laughs> so Lena I know you've participated in creating connections any any feedback how has it been for you yeah it's been really fun and honestly it's really getting to be creative were you there when we did the improv night I think you I were can't I can't remember, but I do remember a few sessions when Dougie was there. Mm -hmm. So I think I was there. Yeah. And Ishita, you you've done some volunteering for creating connections and worked with Dougie. Yeah, no, it's it's honestly so fun. Uh, we the past three months, Dougie and I, as long alongside another youth leader, uh, Nika, we were kind of doing the, creating connections as a team, and it was just so wonderful because Dougie brought in 
his enthusiasm and his creativity with everything that we did. And it was really cool to see that, I think. Uh, I wasn't at the improv night, but personally, I thought it was really interesting that um, and amazing that he's bringing improv to like a new generation that I'm sure because when I was younger, I didn't know what improv was at all. No one talked about it. They just talked about the typical drama acting. So I'm really excited that a new generation being exposed to it. And Dougie, thank you for that. So this summer, um, August 16th to 20th, we're going Blind Beginnings is putting on a virtual camp for our children youth and families. So every morning that week, there'll be an activity for kids 12 and under. Every afternoon, there'll be an activity for teens. And then every evening, there'll be a family activity. So the whole family can participate. And on Thursday, the 19th of August, that afternoon for our teens, Dougie will be leading a three-hour improv um, program. So can we get a sneak peek? Have you planned what you're going to do with us? Any... (laughs) We don't want to give it all away, maybe, but, you know, just make people excited to come. Snake peek. Absolutely. I definitely have have a plan. I think the the, I want to kind of introduce some of the core uh, fundamentals in prop, which one of the biggest and simplest ones is yes. And which all that means is uh, if I offer a suggestion, you say yes. And (laughs) so and you just kind of copy. And that's really how you build a scene is just forming uh, agreement. That's really what improv is, is kind of how can we come to an agreement to to make something? So I'll start by giving some building blocks and simple tools. We will have some improv games and then we'll get into doing some improv scenes. And uh, I like to think of these workshops as... uh, you know, as an introduction, you know, what's like to get your get your toe wet in, into into improv? And, uh, you know, if you are close to an adult, would this mean that you might want to see about getting uh, an accessibility scholarship from Blind Tiger Comedy? I feel I personally feel that's probably the most accessible place to do comedy in the city um, through Little Mountain Gallery. It's really something that they, they do every year. Or would you like to, if you're in high school, do you want to get more involved through the drama or uh, uh, or or doing a play? So for me, this is a, a hopefully a way for, for us to build confidence that we can definitely do this and that we can allow ourselves to be creative and vulnerable. I imagine doing improv is kind of like a muscle that you're practicing, like thinking on your feet, it must help you in your everyday life as well. Absolutely. Uh, so especially for myself over the last uh, year or so, I've, I have tried to pretty much eliminate uh, screen time completely. I maybe allow myself like one hour of television uh, a day. But other than that, I really want to try and be doing uh, creative things. So either just making up characters uh, or or various forms of writing. Or I also like, uh, I play uh, guitar, so I'll practice like that constantly. Uh, but I find, um, especially with the improv themes, they're all generally trained to uh, allow you to uh, react quicker. And uh, I think when you train that skill, when um, things uh, unexpectedly happen, you're more prepared. And and as as blind individuals, things always are going to unexpectedly happen to us. <laughs> so I think it's a great muscle to work on. My question is for you, Dougie. Um, what have been some of the challenges for you when you have been pursuing your acting career? 
Um, I'd say one of the biggest things would definitely be uh, for acting would be like reading the scripts um, because I have to pretty, I pretty much have to memorize all of that. There's no real way that, uh, even for me to read at a, a, a easy level is generally like a, a 48 to 72 point font, which, uh, uh, is destroys a lot of trees, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and it's still a very slow process for me to read that way. So, um, that's that's kind of one thing I just have to re- if I'm going to do something I have to really make sure that um, I'm going to give myself the time to uh, listen to it a bunch of times to be able to, to cognizantly kind of remember that and and get that that flow down. Um, another thing for improv scenes uh, and in some ways I feel I'm not sure if it's a negative or a positive but uh, when you're coming into a scene if you're doing a game of freeze I often really don't have a great idea what those body positions are or specifically what they could be doing. Uh, So that I think the positive is it causes you to come in with something very creative. Uh, But the only real is sometimes if you are with a a scene partner that may not be able to react quick enough and you do something that's jarring then, or a change that then that, that may be a negative part. But I found just uh, in general, Having that ability, not actually, it causes you not to think as much, which for improv is even better. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that would be amazing. <laughs> I feel like that takes a lot of guts to say yeah. freeze when you don't even know what the position is going to be that you're walking into. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I don't think I could dropping. do that. That's <laughs> when I've played that game, I always wait until I you know, the, till the dialogue kind of cues, what is Uh going on? Like, oh, I'm mowing the lawn. And then I can Uh picture what would that look like? And, and then I'll say freeze and jump in. Uh But if it's some obscure, just sound effects and I don't know, Uh (laughs) yeah, I'm like, nope, not, not joining. (laughs) (laughs) So another question for you, Dougie, is what have been some of the biggest challenges for you as a visually impaired person? Uh, some of the biggest uh, challenges for me as a vision impaired person would be, well, part of it was myself. Uh, I didn't realize, I didn't decide to use the, and this is something I've really been cognizant and thinking of a lot more lately. I, I didn't decide to start using uh, a cane until about 40. Uh, I really strongly believe now that I, I, I wish I started using a cane like, like from at least five. I wish somebody just gave me a cane because I think, uh, that would have made being able to talk about my visual impairment much easier, uh, interactions much easier. I, I uh, so and I often I under sometimes I've noticed within our own community um, there can be a reluctance to use a cane when you have perceived higher vision. I'm doing air quotes there because <laughs> I don't know how you can have higher vision but still be legally blind is. Yeah. How easy I find an oxymoron. Uh, um, so that's, you know, I think getting over our own fear sometimes around that about identifying our, 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 our blindness. So that took me a long time to do that. And I felt since I have, uh, my life has become better. I really wish I didn't wait till 40 to do that because I am a significantly more confident person. All of these creative pursuits, I really didn't start doing until I started using a cane. I didn't, I just didn't have that confidence to go to say an improv theater and have to try and discuss all this. Whereas that 
it just immediately this this person is blind or has a visual impairment we understand it mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. so that's and then I'd say the other part would would be in employment uh unfortunately the workplaces are still generally speaking uh horribly inaccessible i would say if you are a person who's is uh blind i cannot emphasize enough you definitely want to uh go to university and get a career that maybe i find that doesn't that allows you not to to kind of be in that position where like for me I've, I've worked in corporate careers generally my whole life uh but they are also some of the least accessible places so i'm always like go to school and become a rm or massage therapist or become a clinical counselor or something of that nature where i think those skills um you you you're not forced to be in that situation where it can be it can be difficult where you're then put in a position where you have to kind of do a job uh where you're not necessarily feel is the most accessible uh but also at least currently to force a lot of changes is really difficult and that can cause a lot of stress so uh finding a balance of just um making the best of it and trying to slowly push change can be the the best for for your mental health can certainly relate to the using the cane. I wasn't quite 40. I was probably closer to 30. But um, for me, it was that my well, it was a couple things, but my vision kept getting worse. And it almost forced me. And then once I realized, oh, man, life is so much easier. <laughs> when mm-hmm. I just use my cane. Yeah. and I don't have to pretend that I can oh see or yeah. yeah, like you, it's really hard being partially sighted. I, I feel like, I mean, being low vision or no vision is hard. It has its, its hard things too. But in that like in between of you're not sighted, but you're not blind, but you're somewhere in between and people yeah. don't understand, right? Mm-hmm. First, you were given a cane like really late. And I think if you get a cane when you're a bit young, like you were saying five years of age, I think uh-huh. it would have, maybe like helped you a little bit and second of all um as you kind of get used to it i think it's really important that you that um you can start to have more confidence in explaining to people about your vision Mm -hmm. absolutely i switched for me um so i'd have like a, a cosmetic Disability, like so, my one eye because I have a nystigmus, the one eye is always like moving all over the place, and then my one eye, other eye, uh, in it kind of inverts inward. So especially like as a as a child, um, you know, like children's natural reaction would be, "What's wrong with your eye?" And then so then you're automatically it's kind of personalized, and that's the biggest thing I also found since using a cane is people they don't notice that they ask, "Oh, hey, what's this cane?" Or well, they usually say. Yeah. Stick. They usually say stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It totally depersonalizes it. And then I feel you're just able to actually go into that conversation, which is uh, is very lovely. Hmm. Yeah. Then you feel a bit more comfortable, right? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I get that feeling too. Doug, yeah, I can absolutely relate to what you're saying. My, my vision is, and Sean, like you were saying, in between not sighted and not fully blind. Um, and I didn't get my uh id cane it's, it's not a mobility cane it's a lot thinner and you don't use it to sort of uh move it around on the ground it's just meant to identify that you are you have low vision uh, and i didn't get that until i was in grade 12 so 
um, it, it was always quite stressful for me. And one thing I had in my head was like, how am I going to navigate university um, when I don't know the campus? And, and you know, it's, it's I had a lot of worried about like worries about that. And my O&M instructor gave it to me and he's like, this will definitely help you because people will see that you're visually impaired and it will help gear the conversation towards that. So don't have any like stress in your head. But I, I still did until I started using my cane. I noticed that people, you know, yes, had questions like, oh, what is that? You know, and you got into the conversation about blindness being a spectrum and, not, and educating them on that aspect. But people were a lot more receptive to it. And they were just like, OK, like they didn't question anything, which when I didn't have my cane always happened to me because when I um, would look at people, my my eyes kind of moved to the side. So they're also like, what's, what's wrong with your eyes? Like, I got that all the time, too. So I can absolutely relate to what, what you're saying there, Debbie. Yeah, I also got, got that when I was a little kid. People would be like, oh, what are you holding? And um, what's wrong with your eyes? Like, can't you see? And then, yeah. Yeah. Humans, humans are curious, but it can be, you know, in the moment, they don't always know how to phrase a question in the most sensitive <laughs> manner. Yeah, I, I always thought that feeling too. So this is, I don't know, I don't usually do this, but I feel like we could use this as a learning opportunity. So if somebody does see you or anybody out in the world with a cane a white cane what 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 is the best way to approach or to question uh i feel like Ali's uh asking the form of a question uh like may i ask you know uh, what what is that uh if you don't know the term you may use stick the first time what is that stick uh, what how uh, you know um how how do you help uh you know in the you move around or things like that i don't i, I love questions like that uh what is scary what please don't do please don't grab my cane please don't help me across the street please don't just offer assistance without asking uh those are more uh that i don't like but absolutely just ask a question if you if if you have one i feel totally comfortable doing that versus say just giving a statement or something of that nature yeah what about you ishta I agree. I agree with the Dougie. Definitely uh, don't grab. Please don't grab. Please don't uh, do anything without verbalizing first, because generally, at least me, I kind of think that I'm in danger immediately. So if oh. if you ask, you know, what what is that uh, or what are you holding, uh, you know, or uh, anything of that sort, uh, I think that's great because it's a learning opportunity for for the person that's asking and for me to get to educate someone. And I was going to say that. I love that you incorporate your blindness into your acts, Debbie, because I think it's a really great learning opportunity for people that may not know anything about blindness. Seeing it on stage is like a whole other aspect, I feel like it's 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 wonderful. And I think uh, I love when you incorporate it into your show that I attended. So I, I do have to say that, that that's a great way to educate someone as well. Yeah, in kind of a lighthearted, fun way, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can make fun of it. That's fine to like, if we want to make jokes, like that's, that's totally yeah. fine. It's not always a bad thing. It's not a, you know, I think that's also highlighting some, something there as well. Um, so I think one way I would like people to ask me would be like, um, can you, can I please ask, what are you holding and what is it for? Maybe. Yeah. And then, um, and I agree um, that if you kind of put it into a, a question and then people realize that when people ask you, you feel a bit more comfortable sharing your um, 
your vision, then it's really a learning opportunity. So. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the important thing for people to realize is that you might be the fourth person that's asked us that day or that route or in that particular bus ride. (laughs) So if we don't smile with great appreciation at your question, it's not you. It's just that you, we've had to answer that a lot, (laughs) but that doesn't mean you can't ask just, uh, yeah, just important to note. <laughs> so, uh, Dougie, what are your goals for the future in terms of acting and improv? Where do you hope to go with this? Um, for improv, uh, I'm hoping my goal is through through Blind Tiger Comedy. They have something called House Teams, which is like uh, I think in terms of sports, it's like if you make a, a rep team. Uh, I have to complete the long form program. So my goal would be to try and make one of those teams in two years. Mm. Uh, that'd be amazing to, I, I especially because I'm uh, I'm older. I'm I'm 45 currently. Uh, so normally I've realized most people that, that do this improv are, are half my age at least. Uh, so I feel though I do, uh, one thing I, I do like is that uh, that's something that um, a Blind Tiger comedy has recognized that there is really a lack. We need way more voices for people that are older, uh, obviously indigenous voices, people of color, uh, uh, women. Uh, people over 50, people not in the great, greater Vancouver area. And that's sort of where amazing thing about Zoom is uh, we can and have all that. And the other thing is, I think, uh, as I talked about multi-intersectional identities, uh, I, get, I think incorporating all of that, but also blindness. Um, mm-hmm. So that's... That's what I, w- I would love is just to have more uh, people in our community, um, kind of uh, regardless of where they are in their in their stage of life, uh, want to be a part of uh, the comedy scene, because I think that's how we can really sh- uh, be a positive way to share our stories and um, just uh, allow society to learn more about our, how we're the same and, and how we're different. As we are in Vancouver, Canada, we're kind of opening up again. Our restrictions are being reduced. <laughs> Is Blind Tiger Comedy going to continue Zoom programming and and in person or one or the other or both? Um, my understanding is so right now they are doing largely mostly uh, online digital classes uh, but they opened up, I believe it was four or five. It was called open air classes. Um, but it's oh. not in one of our traditional theaters because those would be way too small. The uh, Like the normal place where we did improv before was a place called Little Mountain Gallery, which is off of Main Street and 27th Avenue. And it probably uh, legally cannot hold more than 50 people. Okay. Uh, so if you take a social distancing, and I, I think that's being very liberal. I think mm-hmm. realistically, it probably shouldn't hold more than 20 people. Okay. Uh, okay. So where they are now, they're in this, this warehouse and it has like open doors. So everyone is uh, exactly like, I think, 10 feet away. And these are actually what they were doing for their reopening plan is some of the things I was thinking of wanting to incorporate uh, uh, seeing these things have made made my mind go all crazy. Like, how could I start incorporating 
uh, some ideas uh, from this uh, to ever improvise with with uh, with blind people in the future, because uh, I know like spatial awareness can be a real a real challenge. Uh, so I like they have everyone in kind of these squares that were taped off. So I'm like, maybe you could kind of have have an area taped off, but with like tactile tape. So that way you kind of know you have yeah. a sense of where you are, at least, uh, especially I think at the beginning, I um, even for me, because I, I, I find that would just allow me to be more grounded and uh, a way to feel comfortable in your space. Yeah, I love that. I mean, in Gold Ball, we we have string under the tape so that we can feel yeah. under our shoes where our designated area is that we're defending. So something like that definitely could work because you, you don't want to be like so engrossed in your improv that you walk right off the front of the stage or something, right? No, exactly. <laughs> oh, exactly. no, that'd be awful. <laughs> awesome. Well, that sounds exciting. Um, I've been wanting to do some of those improv classes for a while, but it's just getting there. So if there is programming, you know, virtually, that makes it a heck of a lot easier to fit it into a busy life. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dougie, for joining us today. I'm super excited for your camp session, August 19th. That's going to be really fun. So all the, the BC teens who want to sign up for that, please do. Um, and and just, I know everybody's really enjoying our once a month, last Friday of the month, creating connections nights with you as well. So thanks for, for volunteering with Blind Beginnings and thanks for being here today. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you, Ishita and Lena, for co-hosting with me today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a request for a future topic, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. And please share our podcast with a friend, leave us a rating, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.